welcome, Meg Volpe. Thank you, Volpe. Volpe. Oh, I've said it wrong this whole time. It's okay. You're not the only one. Everybody thinks it's Volpe. But yes, you pronounce E, Volpe. Means fox in Italian. I'm mortified. Do not be mortified. It's okay. Okay. I'm my first name right. I'm learning so much. I went into an instant clammy sweat on my hands just now. No judgment, girl. Okay. Meg Volpe, who I swear I know really well. (laughs) Yeah. We just like, we just like passed over the last name portion of getting to know each other, which is fine. We did. Yeah. Do you ever do that where you swear you're like best friends with someone? You've been talking for months, even worse, longer than months. And then someone's like, I've done this where I go to introduce them and I'm like, this is Sarah. Well, if it's LL and good luck pronouncing her. Oh, I finally got it. Laverty Lavois. She's probably, you're better than me. And I've, I've been crude with her multiple times. So, oh, she will probably... have to like type it into documents, like looking at it on the trip sheet because I have no idea. She'll probably still scorn me. She scorns me for my French all the time. We love you so much. We miss you. Um, so introduce yourself and what you're doing in aviation, if you will. All right. Um, I'm Megan Volpe. I am a pilot on a G550 captain. Um, and I have been flying Gulfstreams for 10 years now, which is just wild to me. Other um, known as a decade. How does that, yes, does that make you feel a good? A decade. A decade. <laughs> yeah. I pre- Like sometimes it, it's more dramatic if you say 10 years. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I feel like the opposite where it's like the decade you get to. Yeah. Not many people, people are like, what is a decade? That's exactly. True. No, but then they might think it's 50. So. So anyway, I um, yeah, I've been flying Gulfstream for 10 years. I started at a charter company flying G4s and um, I have popped around. I um, I started at Pegasus. I went to Clay Lacey. I flew for a company called Aerojet out of Scottsdale. Um, I flew for Jet Aviation and now I am Solaris. And um, yeah, I love it. I love my crew. I love my boss. I love everyone um, that I work with. And I couldn't ask for a better career. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where to start there? Like you set the bar so high already. (laughs) (laughs) You Okay, so you've been in for 10 years. So what, you started when you were 24? Flying Goldstreams when I was 24. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I started flying when I was 18. Okay. So I hear a lot of people that start as pilots where they start to get the bug around like 13, 14. For you, it happened a little bit after that. Well, it's hard for me to say when I actually got the bug because my mom was the one who thought of getting me an introductory flight when I was 18. And so she saw it. And I don't know at what time she started seeing my obsession with airplanes, but I had been fascinated with them for a a very long time. They, to me, were just so badass. But even like an Airbus A320, I was like, that's so cool. I will go to In-N-Out right now by LAX <laughs> and I will be floored watching an A320 land. I just, I love it. Um, but I was very rebellious in high school. So my bug, I, I'm not really too sure when it started. I've tried to trace it back with my dad, actually. And I believe in conversation, he'd mentioned that when I was young, like, six seven he would bring me down to philadelphia international airport when we would be picking up guests and we would go sit on the top floor of the parking garage and just like watch the airplanes land and take off and maybe that's when it started i don't know (laughs) 
But, um, that's a sweet memory. I would like to say that that's when it started. I'm dubbing that for you. Yeah, I, I think so too. But it wasn't until I actually was in the cockpit and took controls that I was like, this is what I love. Mm. Um, but even at that time too, I still had no intention of becoming a professional pilot because it simply just wasn't on my radar. It was not something that I pictured as being a career. So I just kept taking lessons because I I just loved it. So I was in college, I was waitressing, I was studying business, and I just kept taking lessons. And I graduated college, and I think in the same month, got my private pilot's license. And so I was at this crossroads, like, okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to be in the business world? Should we pursue that? Or should you follow your heart and, and go into aviation? And my heart won. So I went to an accelerated flight school in Las Vegas. I had a place to stay in Las Vegas. So I went to an accelerated flight school and knocked out all of my licenses, left with my CFI, which is my flight instructor license, and uh, took that back with me to Baltimore, which is where I went to college. And um, that's pretty much where my career started as a flight instructor. Oh, wow. So you kind of started backwards where you went straight into flight, or at least that seems backwards, like when I think flight instructor, I think someone that's been doing it 30, 40 years. So you think like a lot of people actually are really surprised when they hear that an entry level job is someone teaching <laughs> someone how to fly. I get it. It's a foreign concept to a lot of people that don't understand the industry. But the thing is, you're, it's the airplane that you're teaching people how to fly in is a very basic airplane. And that's what you've been flying through all of your ratings. Your ratings, meaning your private pilot certificate, your instrument rating, your uh, multi-engine, your commercial. So you've had all of these licenses in these smaller airplanes with a six-pack and maybe a GPS. So you know these airplanes like the back of your hand. So what, by the time you become a flight instructor, you know them pretty well. Yes. And you're teaching people very basic stuff. Like if you're teaching them to be a private pilot, it's pretty pretty standard what you're teaching them so it's not very convoluted it's not too complex um and yet it's the entry-level job for a lot of professional pilots um a lot of them choose to become cfis other people will be banner towers or crop dusters or uh, a banner tower yeah it's it's um it looks really cool i've never done it but it probably would be dangerous (laughs) quick though like, it could, but I mean, anything could in aviation, but if you're trained properly and you adhere to safety standards, then, you know, it's just, um, it's just a job. So then how did you make the jump into going into like private flying? So this is a fun story. Okay. So when I was at ATP, which is the flight school that I got all of my licenses at in Las Vegas, Usually the way it works out is that you get your flight instructor certificate and then you instruct for ATP. So it's like this cycle that they have where you train there and then you instruct there. I, however, had been told, hey, like, like a lot of people don't really enjoy doing that. It's kind of like just like pilot factory. You're going to stand by your times and go the airwide. Like that's what people had told me it would be like, which I was like, well, that doesn't sound very fun. I want to enjoy flying because at this point I just knew I could be a pilot as a career like a year ago yeah (laughs) I'm in no rush to go anywhere like I just want to enjoy it so I had been in communication with a former flight instructor of mine who was a pilot at United and he's like hey I fly PC-12 and we could definitely use you in that airplane so if you come back to Baltimore then you can fly the PC-12 with me as well as be a flight instructor 
<clears throat> so that's what I chose to do. So I moved back to Baltimore and then I was a flight instructor in um, the DC Baltimore area and I flew a PC-12 and I was so content doing that. I was like, this is awesome. I'm just like teaching people how to fly. I loved it. I loved being a flight instructor and I was, you know, building some turbine time. So PC-12 is a turboprop. So basically like a turbine engine with a prop on the end. So a jet engine, essentially, to put it in layman's terms. So <laughs> thank you for dumbing it down but. for me. That's what you're really saying. <laughs> so it allowed me to get into a more complex airplane where I'm going to be um, getting in, getting my feet wet, essentially, with like corporate flying. Mm. But also I was flight instructing. And so I was um, I was kind of doing both. And so this is kind of an Instagram first created its platform and uh, so this is i mean a decade more than a decade ago and there was a very very small pilot community like very small so everyone knew each other and i had a bunch of friends who would reach out to me and they'd be like hey are you interested in flying like this cargo plane and moving to columbus ohio and i'm like no <laughs> no i love what i'm doing i love being in baltimore i love just being with my friends and i'm in no rush to go anywhere and then one day my friend was like, hey, send me your resume. Well, he flew Gulfstreams. And I'm like, bro, no way. Like, you fly Gulfstreams. He's like, just send me your resume. And I'm like, oh, okay. <clears throat> so I did. And the chief pilot reached out to me maybe a week later and said, hey, we have a bunch of our airplanes in New York for the Super Bowl. Why don't you drive up and just come hang out and meet the crews and look at the airplanes? I was like, absolutely. I've never stepped on a Gulfstream and I've never hung in the Gulfstream cruise so I was like okay this would be cool you always remember your first time stepping onto a private jet like Gulfstream <laughs> or a private jet you remember your first time yeah well it gets better and you'll see why I remembered this one <laughs> so um I go up we all hang out there was probably three or four crews there and we just had so much fun it was just normal people because in your mind you look at like Gulfstream pilots and you're you're so enthralled by it you're like oh my gosh these people must be celebrities in your mind you know um and they were just normal and they were fun and they were really really kind and enjoyable and so um I had a blast and um I got a hotel up there and the next morning I wake up to a text from my friend and he says you're gonna fly the airplane today <laughs> can you and do I'm that? like what yeah so you can um not many people do. Uh, <laughs> That's insane. I mean, you can get an SIC sign-off by just literally doing three takeoffs and landings in an airplane. There might be a few other things, but wow. I've never done that. I didn't get my SIC on this trip, but it was an interview flight. So they had me fly the airplane for my interview. Wow. And, you know, I um, almost had a heart attack. Need to take a few seconds in the restroom and then... <laughs> Hold myself up by my bootstraps, and I was like, let's go. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so it was an empty leg from Teterboro to White Plains. There were no passengers. Mm. And, yeah. So, I would hope not. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, and, you know, they just wanted to see if I could do very basic pilot signage and pilot maneuvers. So can she hold a heading? Can she maintain her altitude? Things like that. Um, so I remember just... First of all, like lining up on the runway in Teterboro and being like, what am I doing? And we set takeoff power and I was like holding on like this. And then we got, he told me to rotate and I rotated. 
And after that, it's an airplane. So to me, it was like, okay, it was a lot more power than what I was used to. But once I was in the air, I knew exactly what I was doing to a degree. Um, and then we flew into white planes and I'll never forget. He, I think we were like on a downwind and he says, all right, Megan, you're, there's going to be two landings. And I'm like, huh, what? what do you mean two landings? So he's like, you're going to land the mains and then you're going to land the nose. So you have to like hold the nose of the airplane off and let it down after the mains touch down. Um, and I did that and it went really well. And um, I did not get hired at that moment. <laughs> I um, then drove back down to Teterboro with the chief pilot. He was the one who I flew with. And um, we went out to lunch and I was, that was more like a formal interview. And he was just asking me basic questions. And then I just looked at him and I was like, am I a serious, serious candidate for this position? And he was like, yeah, I want to hire you. And I was like, Fast forward six months later is when I finally got a class date. So that six months was extremely <laughs> stressful. I was text messaging him every week. Any news, any news, any news, every single week following up. Any news on this. Um, so, yeah, that's how it happened. <laughs> I, I'm, I, <laughs> my face or that whole story, <laughs> I did not know anything like that was possible. Like, yeah, just so they just threw me in the jet. They threw me in there. <laughs> Good luck. I just can't. I, this yeah. is not normal I feel <laughs> no well well it was just the interview it was and then after and then they sent me to a full initial and yeah even though I was just an SIC, you didn't I just go through. straight into it yeah they were like all right now you're going to uh, London no oh my gosh so I had a uh, really yeah. good story yeah <laughs> like I know that you you always have good stories and you're a great storyteller but that is a great story of your life like that's a life-changing moment yeah, it's one of those times that I look back on and I'm like, thank God I had gumption because otherwise I I would have driven back down to Baltimore and been like, that sounded terrifying. But um, no, yeah, I know an opportunity like that is once in a lifetime. So that's so incredible. I love that for you. I just um, <laughs> I just told my story of how I got into private on the episode that came out today with my friend Lacey because she's the one that offered me my first private gig. Very different from your story in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is a life-changing moment because it opens up your world to, like, just so much. Like, yeah, I can't imagine my life without this job. Like, it's a huge part of who I am in a really good way. Yeah. Like, and I know that for you, it's the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I think that I just really hit the jackpot because this is where I want to be for the rest of my life. I don't even want to go to the airlines. So the fact that I found what I wanted to do so early on in my career in an airplane that I understand people work their whole lives to get into. I'm very well aware of that. And I just, you know, I pinch myself every day and I'm just like, I'm so happy and blessed to, to be in that position. I love that. So many people that I bring on this podcast has have had similar stories in the way that everyone knows that this is a really hard job to get, whether you're a flight attendant, maintenance, pilot, whatever you might be. This is a hard career path to get into an industry to get into and stay in. Like you can yeah. get into it and flop real easily. Like it really only takes one or two things and you could be gone. Yeah. I think um, just because it is a small community and world word travels really fast. Um, 
But if you're good and you care about what you do and want to keep getting better, dude, this career is insane. Like, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head with keep getting better because a lot of people in the pilot world become complacent and they don't continue to try to sharpen their knowledge and their skills. And I think that's something that within my crew, I'm so happy with is that all of us want to get better every single day. Every single day we're at work, every single time we go to a sim session, we just want to get better. And until, no, there's never a time where that's going to stop happening. We're going to continue learning and continue getting better each single time. So, yeah. And I mean, that's how it should be. And I love that because you're going to get better at your career, but then that also makes for better layovers and better home life because we're loving going to work. You're loving your layover life because hopefully you've found a good place to be. And then yeah. it all starts to mesh together. I'm still yeah. getting to that part where, you know, my two worlds collide almost, but I know yeah. you found it and you've been in it longer than me. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of people in our industry, a lot of crew members feel like they have to put their life on pause when they go on the road. And I feel like that I've really found for me a way to just continue my life while I'm on the road Um, by all these habits that I've built up that have made being in a hotel just I've like romanticized it a bit. And you have to if this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Otherwise, it's going to make you go crazy. So um, I really like what you said there, continue your life on the road. Like, is that what you said, right? Yeah. Instead of putting it on pause. Yeah. Because, I mean, you hear this all the time with flight attendants, especially like they don't feel like they can have a family. They don't feel like they can have a boyfriend. They don't feel like that, you know, all of these things or even be married sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm not saying that they even just say that, but it's like, oh, it's so much harder, which is true. It takes more effort not being with your people daily. Like it's right. way different than a nine to five where, you know, you wake up at 6 a.m., you go to the gym, you come home, you shower, you go to work, you come home, kiss the, yeah, the wife. Yeah. And it's like you don't have that. No, nope. you have to create some version of continuity on the road. And I really will say like. When I, I go through like weird ebbs and flows where I can do it. And then you have like a shit rotation and you're like, oh, my God, what just happened <laughs> to me? Yeah. And everything's yeah, like, off the axis, you know? Yeah. But you have to take a step back and look at it. You know, you have we've all had bad trips. We've all had trips that we wish we could just erase from our memory. But it happens and you have to look at it pragmatically and think, OK, well, you know, I'll take the eight good trips for the, you know, two bad trips or yeah. whatever it might be. Especially if you're early on in your career. Like when I was flying for the charter company, the good and the bad, I mean, the bad might have been up here, the good were, you know, down here. But as you gain experience and you progress through through the industry, things will get better because you have experience under your belt. And um, and then you get to kind of design what job works best for you. Well, and I, so. I think too, like sometimes a the best stories come from those bad trips or bad days like sometimes that's where your favorite stories lie because those are ones that I find your your CRM really get tested and if if you have definitely a good crew and good CRM it bonds you so well like my crews that I worked with during the pandemic I will never forget them because we were like bonded because every day was a challenge yeah yeah. Having seamless lines of communication is really what's key because yeah. that way, if 
anything, let's say safety wise happens, if everybody knows how to communicate with one another, then that will, you know, however it needs to be delegated will be done seamlessly. So communication is key. Um, and yeah, I agree 100%. How have you melded all of these things together? Because one thing that, you know, I know that you're passionate about is exactly what you already said, which is continuing your life on the road, like finding that common ground, whether you're in Africa, yeah. New York, or in LA at home. Like, yeah. how do you, how do you go about building that when you're on the road so much? So I told you that I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about habits that I've picked up um, throughout the past decade. For me, um, there's a few things that are really important to me. Number one is I love the phrase, look good, feel good, which <laughs> look, could look different for everybody, right? You like, know, Megan, she always looks good, so I know pain. <laughs> so I love, I like fashion. I'm very interested in fashion. Um, I by no means claim to be like Anna Wintour, like setting the standard for fashion and style, but um, I do care about it and I care and I know when I look good, I'm going to feel good. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm on the road, I love to just, well, let's say when I'm at home and I'm packing, I pack with the mindset that when I'm on the road, I want to look the best that I can. So the number one thing I've done is I've used capsule wardrobes and I've used um, like Pinterest. I'll get on Pinterest and I'll look up like traveling capsule wardrobes or like summer capsule wardrobes. And that'll give you all your, your basic fashion items that you want to have, you know, a basic pair of jeans, basic neutral colored shirts, things like that. Am I? Um, so I'm not in the fashion scene at all, but I'm so lost. What is a capsule wardrobe? Like, I feel it's so not my age at the moment. It's, no, no, no. It's fine. A capsule wardrobe is like, if you think about like, well, in my mind, I actually don't know the exact definition, but I'm thinking of like a capsule, like a pill. Yeah, that's what I've <laughs> And you have like six pieces in there and they can all be utilized in different ways to put together like 15 uh, different outfits. So you can have six pieces that this top will go with this pants, but on the next day, you can switch it up and it'll be, okay. you could have four different outfits with three different pieces of clothing. So I've always been really interested in looking up capsule wardrobes um, and then packing that way okay. because then, you know, we don't have much space in our suitcases. So we got to, we got to make it work. Um, and then in addition to that, I love Rent the Runway. Like love, love, love it. She's waiting for them to sponsor her. This is her opportunity, Rent the Runway. i it from the rooftop. Um, and, and so basically this is obviously for trips in the States too. Um, you can't do it internationally, but, um, rent the runway will set up so that you have four or five pieces shipped to anywhere in the United States and you go online and you order up and you pick out all of these different, like eclectic pieces of clothing or things that you want to be really daring with. And then I have it set up so that it meets me at my hotel. Stop it. That's your <laughs> trick. I always yeah. wonder how you do that. <laughs> so, um, and then it's great because if you did have a crappy trip and you're like, ugh, I'm over this day, you get to the hotel and it's like a little present that's waiting for you. So you just uh, ship it to the front desk and are like, um, um, I have yep. a package. Yeah, I just did it in New York. Yeah, I just, I was in Teterboro for a couple of days. And so I had it sent to my hotel and I, when I got there, it was there. And then you just ship it back before you leave? Yeah. Well, this one I took back with me. Actually, I'm sitting over there, but I took it back with me on the jet. But yeah, you could also ship it back from the UPS store, any UPS store. They give you the shipping label and everything. So it's fantastic. It's so and then in like an ad. 
And then in the wintertime, you can get big coats and things that would take up so much room in your luggage that if it's getting shipped to New York, it's there when you get there. So you could get like a big fur coat or something like crazy that you don't want to buy because you're renting it. You're opening my mind just like half of this interview. I wish I'll have to post like pictures of it because my jaw is like literally dropped (laughs) so far. I'm telling you, it has made it's it's and it's been like a little bit of a challenge for me, too, because I'm like, ooh, how can I make this outfit work? And, um, you know, what shoes will I have to pack if I wear those pants? And um, it's just like a fun thing that I do. I love this so much. Okay, so your wardrobe is a huge part of like, I guess my equivalent would be like my skincare routine. Like I take my full skincare routine on the road. Yeah. I have like special little cocktail face cocktail things. And, you know, just that makes me feel better on the road. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the cool thing is that sometimes when you get a nice hotel and there's a robe and slippers and you can head to the bathroom and it's clean and you're just like, I could spend hours in here just pampering myself. Mm -hmm. And that's such a nice treat as well um, when you get a nice hotel. (laughs) I like although I was just (laughs) I was just at a courtyard. I was just at a courtyard in New York City and they had robes and towels and a court. I mean, robes and slippers and courtyard. So I was very impressed. That's new. Yeah. That's like, but, um, what? what is it? What chain of hotels? A Hilton Doubletree with the cookies? Oh, yes. <laughs> so we're, our crew is like strictly Marriott, except for Cabo. But um, yeah, I do miss that. And they were always like warm and chewy. Which, <laughs> how did they do it? <laughs> I remember working with pilots that like literally would choose like a Doubletree just for that. Like. <laughs> I need my cookie. Why don't they just go visit the lobby? Like, <laughs> like I don't want to stay in reward. I don't want to stay in the double tree, but you guys can go visit for a couple minutes. <laughs> uh, oh my god! My first time at Honolulu, they put me in that double tree right there on the corner, right before the. Oh yeah. So I highly don't recommend that one. It was. <laughs> it had like you will you will know exactly. This is not a cute thing, but you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It had like the tile in the bathroom, you know, where it feels like the tile is like sticky or moist. Oh, do you know that feeling? Yeah, I don't. I usually wear, I bring puffy socks on the road with me. That's another thing I love to do. And I put them on all the time. I don't like walking floors. I don't like it. Oh, no. I don't blame you. <laughs> I guess I bring slippers for like a couple of years. I went through during the pandemic, my whole suitcase packing routine was completely different than me because you're like okay let's hung yeah. down in the room what do i want yeah i yeah sweat <laughs> i just want different colored sweat wax six different colors yeah my morning my afternoon and my evening sweat <laughs> yeah, you get it yeah definitely so other than your wardrobe which makes yeah. you feel fabulous when you go out yeah. on your adventures which you then also wait can I say this too? I'm sorry to interrupt. No. As a pilot, we do not get to express our femininity at all. So to be able to dress up and feel like a woman, yeah. So nice. So it I actually really wanted nice. I almost mentioned that, but I didn't want to be too on the nose if it was. Yeah. I was gonna ask if that was something part of the reason you did enjoy it was because yeah. you don't get to do that at work really. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's a way t- for me to express my creative self. And um yeah, I really enjoy that. I love that. And you always rock it. And I love that you, you do a great job of separating 
professional and then layover life. Like you do a great job of balancing it and maintaining yeah. both, but yeah, separating them, which sounds yeah, very absolutely. oxymoron-ish. But. Well, yeah, because at the end of the day, when it comes down to work, I'm there to work and I'm there to get the job done and as safely and efficiently as possible. But the moment that we leave and everything is squared away and the paperwork is done, I try to like, again, continue living my life. And I try not to let that stuff follow me around all day. So I definitely like close one chapter and then like open up the next because I want it to be, you know, I don't want to be stressed out the whole day thinking about something that might have happened or, you know, I always want to make sure that those loose ends are tied up before I then start my life on the road. Um, so, so yeah, I think what you were going to get to is in addition to like wardrobe and stuff, what else do I do? So the other thing that I'm absolutely obsessed with that I'm trying to get people, I'm just kidding, um, is class pass. Love, love, love using ClassPass. Love ClassPass. So when I first started at the charter company, health and fitness was not super important to me. And like when you fly a Gulfstream for a charter company, you're going all over the world. You're going to so many beautiful cities that have incredible food and wine and all. The experiences are endless. And all you want to do is indulge constantly. And I did. (laughs) And everybody did, you know, and it was fantastic. I've but, done that. <laughs> I never indulge ever. We all still do. But that was when I didn't know what a balance was. So um, I remember like just I felt like like just like huge all the time. <laughs> just so much sodium and uh, it was just horrible. And I, I remember Fitbit came out <laughs> and I started having Fitbit challenges with friends back home or uh, <laughs> friends on the road. And so that was all about steps. So then I just started walking and I was getting like my 10,000 steps a day. And really, though, it was like a com- competition. So anybody who knows me knows I'm extremely competitive. So I had to win. Yes. And that ended up turning into now me ensuring that um, fitness and health is a very important part of my life on the road because um, I can see how quickly you can think that you're just enjoying yourself but it actually turns into a lifestyle of kind of just like eating and drinking and (laughs) and enjoying life yeah you have to maintain um the balance so yes class pass class pass is a huge huge advantage if you're looking for classes to take on the road um not only that they now offer like you can go get your nails done with class pass points you can go to like cryotherapy uh, massages at like literally everything's on class pass and it's always going to be discounted because the way I don't know exactly how the point system breaks down but it works out that you're getting a deal pretty much on everything and then that's also where you can you know meet people on the road let's say you have a crappy crew that you just don't want to hang out Ew. with <laughs> yeah and um you know like New York City there are so many different fitness classes that are on class pass that you can just sign up for that day. You can do yoga. You can do any circuit training. You can do strength training. You, there's even open gyms. Like you can just use three credits and go to a gym. And you can meet so many people that way. And it really does help kind of fill a void that you might feel like you're missing. Yeah. So I like that as well. I worked uh, for a charter company and us flight attendants had, you know, a gr- group chat at one point. Uh, which was really fun, actually. I highly recommend if you work for like a charter company to like have like an FA group chat. It's really 
helpful. But someone posted about that. And so we all kind of went through phases where we used ClassPass for a while. And right now I know it's also popular and I do it on the road. Um, Orange Theory kind of classes are like berries, kind of the same thing where you can just drop in. Yeah. I did that on the road last month in Anchorage and I told a pilot that I was with like, hey, I'm going to go to an Orange Theory class. Do you mind if I borrow the car? And he was like, yeah, but like do you would you mind if I joined like I love orange theory and I was like sure we went three days in a row yeah that's awesome my limbs were dead but it was so fun and it's like like and you know it's kind of syrup in a way you know you guys are now bonding in this way that is different from any other way that you're bonding on the road and healthy Um, yeah exactly like who doesn't feel great after they leave a workout so if you're leaving with a crew member and you both feel great only good things can come from that. Well, I think that only, especially if you're a contractor, that kind of thing is really great to do. And I was on this trip, obviously. It was really great to do because you don't just want to go out and drink. Like you're not going to, in some yeah. cases are going to be loud and you can't really talk. So you can't get to know people or like you just, you don't yeah. always get. Like to we've know. all been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm putting down. And so- yeah. So it's like a really nice, like refreshing way to get to know someone and also be like, you know, after they killed you on a run yeah. where you did an all out sprint to like, yeah. give each other a high five and be like, yeah, we did that. OK, now we can go drink a beer and like be cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's true. And, you know, like like you said, Barry, Barry's is on class path or theory. I don't think it is. But yeah it's so cool and even in like little podunk towns you know you can find like a yoga studio and um it really is something that helps me like kickstart my day because also when you make a reservation somewhere you have to go (laughs) it's like all right i gotta get out of bed and i gotta go do this i completely agree like yeah and it's so fun to do those things like you said like podunk town this wasn't a podunk town but like i during the pandemic you know how like everything was outdoors like mm-hmm. fitness classes started back up, but they were outdoors. I yeah. remember in the dead ass of winter in New York City in Hoboken. So you're right on the water to make it even worse, even though that's the most beautiful spot to be. Uh, yeah. There was a cycling, a local like cycling place that had put their little like pop up outside of the Marriott that we were staying at. And so me and the pilot went down every morning and we did the cycling class and the instructor and we were on call for like seven days there. And so, yeah, we heard the instructors like, they got to you know us. leave yet? Yeah. But it was fun. <laughs> and like, they got to know us and like, oh, yeah. like, be like, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. It was cool. A cool way to like, yeah, like you're saying, like meet other people, get this community feel on the road, which helps you kind of yeah. carry what you're saying is carry your community from home on the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... It can get very isolating in a hotel room. So anything to get yourself outdoors and meeting new people and and experiencing the location you're in is going to be beneficial. So other than working out, are there other things that you do to help keep like your health routine on track on the road? Um, I guess like you could say diet. Um, yeah. Oh, here's a here's a fun thing that I do, which I'm sure a lot of people have figured out, but like. If you ever need water when you're in a hotel room and you're like, uh, I have no more water left. I just finished this water bottle. Just go fill it up at the gym. Yeah. I'm sure everyone does that, but it took me a while to, to pick that one up. 
It's a learning. I used to bring my hydro flask with me on the road and then the pandemic hit and it was like, well, there's no use in lugging yes yeah. around now. Yeah. Um, walking is huge. So I, I'm doing 75 hard right now, which means I have to get, um, yeah, second time, uh, I'm trying to complete it. I'll say. <laughs> um, so you have to do a 45 minute outdoor workout. So generally I just go for a 45 minute walk. But for example, when I was in New York, I just like looked for a cafe that was a 45 minute walking distance and then walked to the cafe and like hung out there and did some work and then took the subway back. That's amazing. That's one of the first yeah. things um, my instructor in the airlines told me was to walk everywhere. She was like, the best yeah. thing you can do on this job, like after flights and on layovers, is walk as much as you can because yeah. you don't realize how much you're sitting or how much you're like not mm-hmm. moving because your flight takes up your whole day. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's gone. Absolutely. Yeah. So and and when you're in big cities like Teterboro has such a bad rap for a, being a bad layover, but I obviously love New York City because this is probably the Same. fourth time I'm talking about it. But New York City, Chicago, all of these big cities have bike rentals. Like New York has city bike, yeah. and it is so easy to use. And there's such a beautiful path along the Hudson River that you can take a city bike and just ride the whole thing. And then there's city bike docks everywhere, and the app will tell you where those are and you know that's a fantastic way um to see the city also if you're staying in like weehawken or hoboken take the ferry into the city please please do that it is so people not oh people yeah so many people are like her what do you mean yeah i love we weehawken and hoboken because like the ferry is there obviously but also if you go at sunset or sunrise it is the most gorgeous i so pretty I love this view so much that people, like friends of mine, family of mine that go to New York, I tell them to take the ferry to Weehawken or Hoboken during the uh-huh. sunset because I'm like, yeah, it is the best view of the city that you will mm-hmm. ever see. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the airline that landed in the Hudson River with Sully, Captain Sully? Who doesn't remember that? Yeah. So Cliff and I, Cliff and I were riding the ferry one time and... I don't even know how he made this connection, but our the person driving our ferry, the captain of the ferry, was, was the same captain that was the first one at the airplane when Sully landed it in the Hudson. Of course, I Cliff would really know. I know. I'm like, how did you figure that out? Because you can't go up and talk to them. I'm like, were you guys down here signing to one another? Like, how did you figure this out? That's so I that gives me chills. Like, right? That, yeah, I like have done a deep dive into like that. Uh, I guess you would call it an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think it's so inspiring and so cool. And I think it has a bad rep in a way just because it's like been Hollywoodized. (laughs) Yeah. But it should have been because it was. Yeah. It was one of the most amazing feats that's happened in uh, at least commercial aviation with the airlines. So also such Um, like a redemptive redemption thing like to happen in new york like yeah places like i it that whole story just gives me chills and i just love it i I will never dream guest yeah. silly on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> we, both. <laughs> um, we little fly attendant podcast <laughs> well um so yeah walking is a great way 
you got yeah. way sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because I said taking the ferry. Make sure you take the ferry. Yeah, yeah, you need to. If you haven't, shame on you. Yeah. You're missing an opportunity. Yeah. I think it's so interesting. I, I just still really love how you're approaching this. And it's already like shifting my mindset of like continuing your life on the road. Like, yeah, I just keep coming back to that because I haven't quite heard it put like that before. Yeah. Other things I do if I'm staying more than three nights, I completely unpack my suitcase. Well, um, hang stuff up. I know, I know. But three nights is a decent amount of time that you're going to spend there. And and if you're, you know, using your capsule wardrobe, you have to see all the items <laughs> displayed. Or if you've rented the <laughs> runway. Yeah, exactly. Um, Got to steam it. If I am anywhere longer than a week, I try to get flowers. Wow, that's with you. Yeah, it's like when I've gone to initial training um, classes, we're there for so long. And if I'm staying in a hotel, I'll get myself flowers because it'll just make it feel a little bit more like home. I love that one. Yeah, I do. um, If if it's a long one for me, I do a candle because I'm huge on scents. As in, I don't want my room to smell like last night's dinner if I ate my room. (laughs) Or like, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Or like, I also travel sometimes with my pour over setup. Like I have a collapsible pour over. Oh, yeah. I'll always want your room to smell like coffee when you're trying to go to bed at 9 p.m. or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, so you light a candle. And I actually just saw this company that I interviewed them, Kaler. And mm-hmm. um, they do like travel sized makeup and stuff. But they also do travel sized candles for you to travel. Oh, with. And I love that. Yeah. Because I do. Yes. Yes. And it's just like, it's the ambiance too. It's just like, ah, uh, it doesn't feel the same as every single other hotel room that you. You just have like a candlelit ember like room. Yeah. There's nothing mm-hmm. like that to me. Like, yeah, just make sure you remember to blow it out before you leave. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please do. <laughs> also, side note, just, you know, pack your smoke hood too, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> Like I did all of this to myself. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> my bad. I recently had a fire alarm go off, as we all do at some point. And I would say, like every month of travel, you have at some point a fire alarm go off. And yeah. um, you know, you have that. And I know anyone out there that's not in aviation is going to be shame on you. As flight crew, you kind of like ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being exactly. It's it's routine, like. 99% of the time you know it's just a drill and this one went off for I kid you not 30 minutes and so I started to like look out my door and it was it was probably like midnight or one so I was like maybe this isn't a drill like yeah do I need to, <laughs> do I need to like cutting on a shoe slowly <laughs> yeah like I texted my crew and I was like are you guys leaving and they were both dead asleep weren't even phased by this alarm yeah, I mean, those things are so loud. They're yeah. terrifying. I was like, I don't know what they did, but um, so I literally grabbed my smoke hood and like went down in my sweats. <laughs> like, but it was like kind of a good refresher of like, oh, this is what you would do. Like, it's good to have that. Mine is the thirty-minute stall. <laughs> I know. I I would like it noted it was a drill. It should cut. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. 
I don't know why, for whatever reason, they did it at midnight. I feel like that was really poor choice. So I, these poor kids were like getting dragged out by their parents and stuff. And I was yeah. like, that's so sad. Those parents yeah. are now going to be up all night long. The worst part is if it happens multiple times in one night. I've had that happen at the Envio. I'm like, we already did this. It's it's annoying. <laughs> and again, I know people not in aviation are going to be like, it's an important routine and blah, blah, blah. Yes, I know it is. It's just, yeah, we live a lot. Well, also, I believe sometimes people like actually pull the fire handle and, and they cover it up as this was a yeah. yeah. And the fire department hates it because they're like, come on, we have to answer these. So they have to go and show up and like they're full. So it's a, just an inconvenience for so many people. Ah, inconveniences in our life on the road. How dare they? <laughs> Well, Megan, do you have any closing notes of just advice as someone on the road, a female pilot, anything like that? Um, let's see, I think that one of my biggest pieces of, of advice is to never turn down an opportunity that could benefit you in the future. Whether that be um, meeting someone for a coffee or, you know, flying a golf stream, whatever it might be, never say no because you never know who you're going to meet and where that can lead to in the future. Um, so just take every opportunity that comes your way and never know what could come out of that. Mm, I love that. Well said. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm so happy you came and joined us. Yeah, it was so good to see you. 